Thank you, ladies, for ministering in music. Let's pray together, and then we'll interact with one of the psalms. Father, we thank you for life we have in Christ. We thank you that we can trust you, we can depend upon you. And as we interact with your word, we want to be doers of your word. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Question, not looking for response. Do you ever complain to the Lord? Do you ever complain to the Lord? Is it wrong to complain to the Lord? Think about those questions and look for some answers as we consider one of the Psalms. We'll be discussing Psalm 3, but a few thoughts concerning the Psalms before we interact with Psalm 3. The Psalms are words spoken to God or about God. Psalms are words spoken to God or about God. They are dynamically, or they dynamically unite human experience and emotion with a vibrant theology of God. Psalms are not words that directly come from God, but words that people have used in worshiping God. The purpose of the Psalms for helping us to express ourselves to God. I don't know if you've ever taken one of the Psalms and said, this really expresses where I'm at. And you worship God for helping us to consider his or God's ways. The Psalms are poems, musical poems. Hebrew poetry, by its very nature, was addressed, as it were, to the mind through the heart or emotions. And don't seek to find meaning in every word. Psalms are musical poems. They're intended to appeal to the emotions, to evoke feeling rather than propositional thinking, and to stimulate a response in the part of the individual that goes beyond a mere cognitive understanding of certain facts. The vocabulary of the Psalms is poetry, purposely metaphorical. Look for the intent of the metaphors. In Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. It's a metaphor, the Lord, being contrasted to a shepherd. In Psalm 114 and Psalm 59, it talks about the mountains skipping like a lamb, and we know mountains don't skip. But again, seeking to communicate a truth. Each psalm should be read as a literary whole, as a unit of thought. Psalms is a collection of five books. These five books are fused into one collection, an ancient Mideast. You didn't structure your case with a logical type argument. Instead, you used repetition, and Psalms does a lot of repetition. You have book one, Psalm 1 through 41. Jehovah our Lord is used 273 times. Elohim appears 15 times. 
Lord is independent, self-existing one. Elohim, strength, power, absolute faithfulness. Then you have book two, Psalm 42, through Psalm 72. The Lord is used 30 times. Elohim appears 164 times. You have book three, Psalm 73, through Psalm 89. Jehovah is used 44 times. Elohim appears 43 times. You have book four, Psalm 90 through 106. Jehovah, our Lord, is used 103 times. Elohim does not appear. You have book five, Psalm 107 through Psalm 150. Jehovah is used 236 times. Elohim appears seven times. Psalms being used by Israel for worship. Some of the contribution of the Psalms, the primary contribution would be to model what God-centered view of life is like through expressions of worship and prayer and the way believers may express their deepest needs, pains, concerns to God and passionate prayer and worship. And as you read some of the Psalms, there's some very passionate worship that is present. Therefore, ask, what does this psalm tell us about how God's presence and work connects with our deepest concerns and emotions in the midst of a difficult or joyous circumstance? I think the secondary contribution is to guide us to give us a model for worshiping God. Therefore ask, what does this psalm tell us about how we should pray, praise, and generally express our heart's desires to God, whether it be individually or corporately? The authors of the psalms are mentioned at the beginning of each psalm. 73 are by David. 12 by Asfa, 12 by the sons of Korah, 2 by Solomon, 1 by Herman, or, uh, yeah, Herman the Ezraite, 1 by Ethan the Ezraite, 1 by Moses, and 49 by unnamed authors. We want to look at Psalm chapter 3. Psalm chapter 3. Psalm is a lament psalm. We'll mention lament psalms next week as we consider another psalm. But a lament, David is lamenting to the Lord. It comes in book 1. And there's some parallelism in the psalm, a type of parallelism where the second phrase will expand upon the first. Psalm 3, O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying to me, God will not deliver him. Selah. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud and he answers me from his holy hill. Selah. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. 
Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. We find that the psalmist addresses the Lord in verse 1a. In verses 1 and 2, he gives his complaint to the Lord. In verses 3 and 4, he expresses trust in God. <clears throat> in verses 5 and 6, he talks about deliverance. In verse 7, he expresses assurance. And in verse 8, he praises the Lord. So back to verse 1, O Lord. Lord means the independent, self-existing one who needs no one or no thing to continue his existence. David is talking to the Lord, the one who is the I am that I am, the one who said to Moses, I am that I am, having no beginning, having no end. He needs no one and no thing to exist. And then he expresses a complaint to the Lord. How many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying to me, God will not deliver him. The historical situation in this psalm finds David at a low moment in his life. And the reason he was at a low moment in his life was because of his sin with Bathsheba. He was reaping the consequences of what happened. And we need to remember that David saw Bathsheba bathing. And he sent for Bathsheba, and she came. And we know that Bathsheba and David were involved in a sexual relationship, and she conceived, and she gave birth to a son. But the problem was that Bathsheba was a wife of Uriah the Hittite. And for a period of a year, David kind of hid his sin. And then he was confronted by Nathan the prophet. And Nathan told a little story, you know, about a poor man that had one little lamb. And his neighbor who had many animals, and how the man who had many took the sheep from his neighbor to feed some company. And David became angry, he became intense, and he said the man should be punished. And then Nathan said to David, you're the man. We know the consequences of David's sin was some family issues. David's son Amnon raped his half-sister Tamar. Both Amnon and Tamar having the same father, but different mothers. And because that happened, Absalom decided to kill his half-brother Amnon. He ordered the attack to take place. He ordered some of his men to kill Amnon. And it's kind of like David ordering his general to make sure Uriah get killed in battle. As a result of this taking place, Absalom fled. And he stayed away for three years. 
And finally, he was invited to come back to Jerusalem, but did not have contact with David immediately. And in time, Absalom and David did interact. But then Absalom chose to rebel against his father. He groomed the people to take away the kingship from his father. And after a number of years of grooming the people, stealing the hearts of the people, David, I'm sorry, Absalom, asked to leave the city of Jerusalem. And then he came back to set himself up as king. And David is fleeing Absalom. And that's when Psalm 3 comes into play. That's the historical background. And David says, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? As David is fleeing Jerusalem, there were many against him. And people apparently were saying in verse 2, God will not deliver him. He's lamenting to God, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? God will not deliver him. That's what people were saying. But in the midst of that lament, in the midst of that complaint, There's a trust. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. Lord, you're a shield. A shield is that which protects. Many enemies, he's fleeing but you are a shield around me, O Lord. To you I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. David was promised a non-ending kingship for his throne. Notice in verses 5 and 6, a deliverance, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. There's a trust expressed before a request for deliverance. David is fleeing. His son is trying to take his kingship. And he says, I lie down and sleep. How many nights have you laid awake pondering and fretting over something? I'm sure David could have done that. He says, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord, the independent, self-existing one, sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Instead of being vexed in his soul or making plans to relieve the pressure, David has learned to console himself with God. Too often plans come before prayers. How many blessings we may miss by conceiving our own plans, schemes, only to see God frustrate them and later work out his own plans. David, a confidence in God, a resting in the Lord. See, the life of faith is not one protected, or is one a protection by God's loving care. 
making the difference between despair and hope. The tens of thousands mentioned in verse 6 would refer to how many are my foes, how many rise up against me mentioned in verse 1. Then in verses, verse 7, Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. The striking of the enemies on the jaw is an expression of humiliation. The metaphor of breaking the teeth likens the enemies to wild animals whose strength is taken away when their teeth are broken. A wild animal can have victory because of their teeth. Break their teeth, you take a lot out of their bite. David says, strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. He begins with a lament. He ends with praise from the Lord comes deliverance. From the independence of existing one comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Now I want you to notice something about this psalm that David, as he is lamenting to God, he is lamenting to God because of his own sin and reaping the consequences of his sin. Part of the freedom to worship the Lord is to lament in the midst of trouble, even trouble caused by your own sin. Here is David. He has sinned. He stole another man's wife. He had Uriah killed. Years later, he's lamenting to God. Think about how many times we have blown it along the way. We have sinned. We have not handled something correctly. And we reap the consequences. Do we back off from God and say, God, I won't trust you. I can't respond to you. Or do we come to God in confidence? And today we have Christ as our high priest if we have come to faith in Christ and communicate with him openly. He already knows us. Psalm 139 talks about that. 1 Peter chapter 5 tells us that we can cast our care upon the Lord. Christ is our high priest. Have you ever taken Psalm 3 and lamented to the Lord? Maybe you don't have the same foes, David. You're not fleeing because <clears throat> your son's trying to take over the kingship but you may be going through some difficulty. Taking Psalm 3 and worshiping the Lord with Psalm 3. Just meditating upon it, talking to God, being open and honest with God and crying out to Him and then letting Him enable you to lie down and sleep and awake again and not fear 
whatever you may be lamenting. I think also from this psalm we find that we should be balanced in our talking to the Lord. Appreciation, complaints, with confidence, and then praise. You'll find the lament psalms often talk about the Lord, who he is in his character, his independent self-existing being, but the freedom to lament, complain to the Lord, but at the same time to praise him. If we can't lament to the Lord, who can we lament to? And I want to emphasize again that David's lament is in the context of reaping the consequences of his sin. His sin did not drive him away long term. After being confronted by Nathan the prophet, he repented. And then he pursues the Lord. In reaping the consequences of his sin, he displays great openness and freedom in his lament. Again, how many of you can look at your past and say, I blew it here, I blew it there, I blew it in the next, situa next situation. I'm reaping the consequences. And in reaping the consequences, it may be a short consequence, it may be a long-term consequence, but lamenting to the Lord. Perhaps on the lighter side, when I got my speeding ticket, when Ruth Ann and I were dating, <clears throat> the policeman says I was speeding, I argued with him and said I wasn't. But anyway, I got the ticket. And as a result of that speeding, I lost my license for a month. I got a hefty fine. I got enough points in my record that I had to go to school to learn how to drive. And I lamented quite often to Dad. I said, Dad, this isn't right. This isn't fair. It's only one offense. Nobody else has one offense and gets the book thrown at him. It is what it is, Dan. Deal with the consequences. And I lamented to the Lord bitterly, not a, in a correct way. I said, God, this isn't fair. This isn't right. And I went on and on. But do we exercise that freedom to lament? particularly if we have sinned in the past and we deal with the consequence because that's the context of Psalm chapter 3. Or we have some other enemies drawn up against us. Do we have the freedom to lament? As a local church, because some of the psalms, some of the laments are dealing with Israel, we have the freedom to lament. As a family, you have the freedom to lament. As a married couple, you have the freedom to lament. As an individual, you have the freedom to lament to God or to complain to God. But in lamenting, please follow the pattern of David, O Lord. He knew who he was communicating with. You may share your lament, you may share your complaint. But express confidence. You're a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. 
To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. Be thankful for the deliverance. I lie down and sleep. I awake again because the Lord sustains me, and so on. But he also asks, deliver me, O Lord, or O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. And then from the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Do you presently have a complaint or lament to share with the Lord? Do you do that freely? Do you take one of the lament psalms or one of the complaint psalms and use it in worship of the Lord? We want to sing Psalm 3 together again, just emphasizing the psalms. And as we sing it again, reflect on God and who he is and the freedom we have in coming to him.